Hey, welcome to Digital Leadership with Brandon Cox. This is my podcast where I get to talk about life and leadership and digital marketing and whatever else in between uh, that I want to cover. Um, I want to address something today that's very near and dear to my heart. It's been very personal to me for about a decade now, and uh, particularly in the last three to four years because I've experienced a lot of joy and freedom and success in this area, and I really seek to share that. I'm becoming more and more comfortable with sharing this and, and talking about this with others. I want to talk about the role of entrepreneurship and spirituality. That is, I want to talk about more particularly how I believe Christian entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs of faith are going to change the world. Now, let me just say right at the beginning, it may be that you've stumbled onto this podcast or this video uh, randomly or through a search, and maybe you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus. I just want you to say you're, you're welcome here anyways. I, I uh I respect where you come from and, and understand that people have different belief systems and different perspectives, uh, but I, I will challenge you to hear this out. Uh, I will challenge you to say, open your mind and your heart to what uh, what Christians might have to say about Jesus and his role in our lives today. And don't just take at face value what presents itself as Christianity, but really give it a give it more of a chance, okay? So listen in. Uh, and to you who are listening to this, watching this, who are Christians, who are people of faith, I want to just speak to your heart for a second and, and say there cannot be a disconnect between your faith and your work. And I think hopefully the, the more the time goes by, the more our culture moves forward in this area, the better we're getting about understanding the integration, the crossover between what I believe and how I behave, between what I think about life and about the world and what I do with my life and how I impact culture and society, uh, how I earn money, how my living that I make uh, applies in my family. So I think that we, we're sort of seeing the softening of some lines and I see that as a good thing. I think in Christian church history, there have been periods of time when the church has really created a strict dividing line between clergy and laity, that is, between professional priests and pastors and ministers versus all of the ordinary members who are not called to some particular church office. And, and I hope that we lose that because I'm a firm believer that every Christian is a servant, is a minister. Uh, some people are called to lead the church, maybe in more of a vocational capacity, uh, but the reality is that all of us are called to lead and serve and to expand God's kingdom together, and that all of us are ministers in the workplace. That is, we serve other people wherever we go, not just at church on Sunday. So I hope those lines are beginning to blur. And there are other lines I, I think that I hope are beginning to blur as well. Just the idea that I go to church for my spirituality and then I go somewhere else for everything else. So I go to school for my education, uh, I go to work to make money, and I go to church for my spirituality. It sort of compartmentalizes life in a way that says, I can be healthy over here and not healthy over here and so forth and so on. But what you need to know about me, my Christian perspective says that since I follow Jesus, I see him as king, as Lord. He is in charge. I believe that my life should be submitted to him and surrendered to his will in every area, in every facet of my life. And so that means that I, as 
uh, a churchgoer, as a husband, as a father, as a worker, as a citizen, as a voter, as a, a neighbor in my neighborhood, as a volunteer in my local school, my local charity, uh, any realm of life that I live, my faith infects all of it. It, it. it covers all of it. And so I need to live an integrated whole life. So when I talk about Christian entrepreneurship, I'm not talking about something that is not relevant to pastors. I'm also not talking about something that is only relevant in the business world and not the church world. I'm talking purposely and specifically to believers who feel a calling to branch out and do something entrepreneurial in the world. Even if you're working a 40-hour week job or a position that you've held for a long time and it's a salary and you don't plan on doing anything different, I want to challenge you to listen to this anyways because I think that all of us are called to be creative. All of us are called to use our ingenuity and be innovative. And as a result of that, I think all of us are entrepreneurial to one degree or another. Even if you work a job 40 years and then retire, there's still entrepreneurial aspects of your life and of your calling that I want to dig into today. So let me just dive in and talk first about why this matters to me so much. It matters a lot to me because I believe that there are people that God has put in positions of influence within society. That is, he he positions each and every one of us where we are to impact other people. He he didn't ask any of us to be an island or to not have influence or, or to not affect the world or the culture around us. I don't believe he called us to isolate and withdraw and live life behind a wall of sorts and barricade ourselves off from the non-Christian world around us. Uh, That's another line I think that uh, we're seeing blurred between sacred and secular, between church and and non-church. And I like that that's being blurred because I think everything is sacred. Everything belongs to God. It's all redeemable. And so as a result of that, God has put people everywhere, not just in the church to influence religion, but he puts us in all walks of life. He puts us in all kinds of positions and scenarios. I think when you look throughout the Bible, you see that. Uh, Not everybody in the Bible was a pastor. In fact, you didn't really have pastors until the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, priests were just one twelfth of the nation of Israel and nobody outside of Israel. So you're talking about a small number of people who held church or religious vocational roles, so to speak, or made a living in some way from their faith, that, that most people, God is positioned in other ways. He, he's called us to be farmers. You see that in agrarian cultures in the Bible. He's called us to, to be leaders within industry. He's called us to be leaders within all kinds of roles within our lives uh, and to influence the society. You see that throughout the Bible. You see it throughout history how God has used people in a variety of positions and capacities. And and there are two roles that I personally feel very particularly called to serve. And they are pastors who I believe should be more entrepreneurial and entrepreneurs who I believe, if they're believers, should be more pastorly. Here's what I mean by that. I believe that more pastors need to think in entrepreneurial ways. 
Now, I highly respect those who subscribe to the school of thought that there should be nothing professional about Christian ministry. I understand where you're coming from. I have read John Piper's book, Brothers, We Are Not Professionals. It's a great book. It reminds us that we're not just here to analyze markets and produce numbers. I completely agree. I also believe, however, that entrepreneurship is essentially getting creative It's getting creative and it's creating and starting things that gather movements, things that uh, perhaps build wealth, things that create new structures. And so I think that pastors need to be thinking all the time about, am I being entrepreneurial? Am I thinking outside of my comfort zone and what's familiar? Am I willing to venture into new territory, take risks, try new things, get creative? Am I willing to adapt my communication styles to the culture around me, I believe that pastors on the whole ought to be more entrepreneurial in their thinking. And you can disagree in the comments, you're welcome to do so, Uh, but that's that's where I fall, that's where I I am on this. I think pastors ought to be more entrepreneurial. In fact, I wrote a blog post that I'll link to in the show notes uh, all about how seven different ways pastors should think more like entrepreneurs. I also believe that Christian entrepreneurs who are not working in the church space or the faith-related space at all, but are just working in all kinds of different sectors of the marketplace, should be more pastorly. That is, should be more ministerial in their thinking. What I mean by that is that if you're successful in business, if you lead people, if you start things, if you earn money, if you... Uh, if you influence your community or your culture in the business world, then you ought to be seeking ways to serve other people, to serve other people, to share share your faith with other people in loving ways. And I'm going to come back to that in just a moment, but let me move into something a little bit different. In the New Testament era in, in which we live, I think that you're, you're seeing more and more, again, uh, as you see the New Testament kind of unfold and you see the church begin to spread Uh, the lines begin to to blur quite a bit. And so from Acts chapter 15, where the church is kind of arguing about where do we fit on the scale of ritual versus practice, ritual versus daily life. And uh, are we we Jewish or are we something different? Are we Gentile? And there, there are all these sort of confusing themes. And then you have this church planting movement that's going out into society. And you see Paul going to places like Athens, that's a cultural and educational center. You see him going other places and Corinth and so forth, and he's talking about being a tent maker and and being bivocational. And we think of bivocational today as, well, you can do church, and if they can't pay you full-time, then you might have to go get a job. But I want to destroy that kind of thinking about bivocational. I'm thankful for guys that do that. But bivocational can be a choice. It can be, I want to fulfill a vocational role in the church, and I also want to be entrepreneurial in other ways. So Uh, I think we're seeing more and more of a tent-making emphasis among Christians, and I love that. I love seeing pastors and non-pastors just working right alongside each other in culture and society, and there are all kinds of things that flow out of that. Let me tell you why I think this is so important, because what you see in the New Testament is the emergence, and of the New Testament era, is this emergence of what are sometimes called the seven pillars of society. Uh, Anytime you see major movements and shifts taking place, the civil rights movement, uh, various other movements, you you see this attempt to influence seven areas of society. And and some people describe them like dominoes, that if you can move these seven areas of society, then you can move society in a new direction. 
So that would include government and politics. That's one. The second pillar would be media. So uh, we think of today as, um, you know, the internet, uh, news, television, all of that is media. It's how information spreads. Uh, Arts and entertainment is the third. Uh, So everything from the the art that we create to plays and movies and and magazines, books, all of that would be arts and entertainment. Uh, Business and marketplace would be fourth. And so that is thinking about uh, industries, you know, whether you're talking about the tech industry or the energy industry or the auto industry, all of those would be business marketplaces uh, down to the small business, the mom and pop shops, the retail, uh, online business, all of that would be marketplace. Okay, so that's the fourth pillar. The fifth one is education, uh, both primary and secondary. So the public education system, private schools, colleges, universities, seminaries, all of that would fall under education. Religion would be the sixth pillar. So that's the church and other houses of worship. Uh, All different religions would fit under that sort of pillar of society. And then the last one is family. Now, those are not in order of importance. Uh, Certainly, I think you make the argument they're almost backwards in order of importance, but those are the seven. And so the idea is if we can influence government, media, arts, business, education, religion, and family, then we can move the dominoes and we can tip all of society in a certain direction. Now that's a big sort of macro level way of thinking. And let me explain why it is I think that's so relevant to us that we think about ministry as taking place in the church. Well, that's one pillar and it leaves the other six out. Uh, We need to be thinking about ministry as a Christian, as a believer, as being spread across all areas of, of life, okay? Being spread across all areas of life. And here's why. I'm gonna get theological with you for a second, then I wanna go back to the practical side. Theologically, God's kingdom is very subversive. Uh, Ed Stetzer wrote a book some years back called The Subversive Kingdom. And it's a great book. It's one of my favorites on the topic. Uh, I would pair it right with Scott McKnight's book, The King Jesus Gospel. Those two books really frame well my own viewpoints of what the kingdom is. The King Jesus gospel is basically Jesus is king. And so the way that you become a Christian is to swear allegiance to the king. And you say, he is my king. I, I submit my life to him. I, I turn from my sin. I trust in him. I'm part of his family. I'm part of his kingdom now. And, and so that's the, the, the King Jesus gospel um, and, and the story that, that flows around that throughout history. And then Ed Stetzer talked about how the kingdom of God is a kingdom that's not of this world. It's, it's not one of the seven pillars. And you might think, well, isn't it religion? Well, no, not exactly. Religion is something that is humanly established. It's, uh, it's organized. It's regulated. The rituals are things that we sort of manage from a human perspective. But God's kingdom, the Bible says, is within you. It's invisible. It's hard to see. It's, it's basically the rule and realm of Jesus. So everybody that says, I follow Jesus, that's the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom of God operates on different principles than the kingdoms of the world around us. The kingdom of God operates on the principles of of servitude, purposeful, willing servitude toward other people. That is that, that I am here to serve other people, to serve my fellow man. I'm here to love people in Jesus' name, Jesus said, when you visit people in prison, when you get a, give somebody a cup of cold water in my name, you, you have done it as though you're doing it to me, that you, you've served in my, 
name. You've represented my kingdom. And the subversive kingdom is the idea that God's kingdom does not come in and dominate people or dominate culture or dominate any of those seven pillars of society, but rather the kingdom of God subversively springs up here and there within those different realms, okay? Uh, so within the school system, you have Christians who say, I'm here to serve, I'm here to help. And and they may influence the, the educational system by just being there and loving people in Jesus' name and, and saying, I'm here to help and I'm here to serve, whatever that means. And, and they're, they're, therefore their lives influence others and that's this subversive kingdom. So I believe that we need Christian entrepreneurs. And again, I mentioned earlier, I feel a particular calling to serve and help and coach and minister to people who are church leaders who want to think entrepreneurially and entrepreneurs who want to think ministerially, okay? So the reason why is because I believe that God has called us to the marketplace, that we can make an enormous difference in the marketplace. And what the church has tended to do sometimes is to kind of lag behind. We just sort of wait and whatever the, the world around us innovates and comes up with and does, we'll tag along and we'll, we'll catch up about 15 years later and do things about 80% as well um, and, and just sort of take our cues from everything around us. I think you see this in Christian film. Uh, I think you see it in Christian entertainment that a lot of times we give a free pass to very poor quality because we figure, well, this is the Christian version. It's not supposed to be as good. And so we just kind of lag behind and we wait for the marketplace to tell us what to do. I believe we need Christians to step into a leadership role, not a domineering leadership role, not a, we're here to fix everything and show you how to do it our way, but instead from a standpoint of being a servant to people, to come along and say, we want to affect change in our culture. We want to make a difference in the marketplace uh, as entrepreneurs, we want to engage society and culture and commerce and so forth and so on. Let me give you four examples of where I believe we need Christian entrepreneurs to show up and be present. Four kinds of, of people that we need filtering out of the church on Sunday and into the rest of the world throughout the week and throughout their lives uh, in order to make a difference and an impact for the kingdom and to improve society and to foster human flourishing among people. So first, I think we need, uh, we need people who will live out a Christ-like ethic in the marketplace. In other words, we need people who will live and, and serve and do business the way Jesus might do business. Now, I'm not suggesting that Jesus would do business I'm just saying that Jesus came up with ideas like going the second mile for people, taking the high road, being brutally committed to honesty and authenticity and, and charity and giving. Uh, all of that originated in the mind of God and in the mind of Jesus. And so businesses that are committed to solid ethics, to honesty, to truth, to generosity, to charity. They make a difference and they stand out in an age of corporate uh, corruption and, and greed. So in the middle of all of that, we get to be countercultural. We get to live out a Christ-like ethic 
in the marketplace. And we get to do good business. We get to be good at creating products and, and we get to innovate and we get to shape things and create new things and develop new platforms and softwares and, and, and go start things that, that go big and that's great. But in the middle of all that, we get to demonstrate what it's like to be committed to a Christ-like ethic. Secondly, I think we need people who will serve others in Jesus' name in the marketplace. I mentioned this a minute ago, but I want to amplify it for a second. Uh, I believe that we need people who are willing to look around and go, who can I help? How can I serve? Not looking for what I can get out of it, but how I can contribute to the lives of others. Zig Ziglar, who was very successful and became very wealthy by the end of his life and, and yet still managed to be, even though he was a motivational speaker and a great salesman, managed to also be very humble and very Christ-like in his life. Zig used to say, you'll get everything, you'll have everything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want in life. And what he simply meant was, if you just give and add value to people's lives before you expect anything in return, you're going to make a difference and you're going to experience success in your own life. The reward comes around. The whole idea that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And even when you are great at making sales, even when you're great at, at building businesses and leading teams and, and all of that, even in the middle of that, that you get to say, how can I serve people? How can I elevate people? That if you own a business that has employees, you get to look at your employees and go, how do I elevate you? How do I make your life better? How do I help you take care of your family? How do I help you grow professionally? That you get to serve other people, okay? Fourthly, we need people who will create wealth from the marketplace to support missions. To create wealth from the marketplace to support missions. When I hear about Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or so many others who have made millions or billions of dollars and then have established foundations and trusts in their name whereby they can continue for their legacy to continue to distribute money through charitable causes throughout the years to come, I think that's awesome. I think we ought to celebrate that and I think we ought to duplicate that. That Christians, if we really have a desire to uh, eradicate AIDS, to improve education, to tackle issues like poverty and healthcare around the world, and if we really want to plant churches, raise up leaders, and share the gospel everywhere that we possibly can, then we need to be creating wealth from the marketplace in order to filter into missions. Now, that does not mean I get to be money hungry and use as a justification, well, when I get filthy rich someday, I'll give a little bit to charity. That's not what I'm talking about, okay? Uh, that, that's not the kind of heart that I'm describing. I'm describing a heart that starts with the motive of giving, that says, ultimately, I dream of making a difference in my world, uh, even financially, being able to give and be generous and bless people and change the lives of others in different ways that I can fix problems for some people by, by writing a check perhaps because I've been willing to, to be committed to high Christian ethics. I've been willing to serve people and I've done well at this and I've created wealth so that I can give it to missions. Number four, I think we need to be able, we need people to be creative thought leaders in the marketplace, uh, to, to be creative thought leaders. Again, this goes back to the idea that we shouldn't just sit around and wait for the world to invent everything. That uh, believers, that Christians, should feel the freedom to, to flap our wings and speak our minds and, and to do so in a loving way, but to, to, to be innovative. 
Uh, it, innovators change the direction of society. When you think about the most influential people in history, so many of them were innovators. You know, we know who Gutenberg was because he, he, he invented the printing press and out of the printing press came all of the books and the libraries and the bookstores that we know today. And so you have someone who is innovating and creating and changing the game and they're, they're sort of uh, breaking the cycle and, and starting a, a whole new arc in the story and bringing about the industrial age and the tech age and so forth. And Christians ought to be right in the middle of that, shaping the thought of culture around us, that we should be thought leaders, that we should be not afraid of science, not afraid of psychology, not afraid of the various disciplines around us, but instead fully engaging and being creative thought leaders in our marketplaces. It'll make for better communities. It'll make for better societies. I really believe that Christians are a, a band of believers who have a bond even when we separate from Sunday so that we are in offices and we are in marketplaces and we are in restaurants and coffee shops and we are in coaching meetings and seminars and we are in leadership structures and we're working in factories and we're working on farms and we're doing all of that in such a way to influence the culture around us for good and for God. Okay, so we need Christian entrepreneurs like never before to be empowered to do all of those things. Now, where do we start? Because I know that at the end of a talk like this, uh, it's, it's very easy to go, well, here's the sales pitch. Well, I don't really have a sales pitch or a particular next step other than these things. I want us to think about four actions to apply uh, and, and to adopt these in our thinking. The first is this. I think we got to start by getting over our limited thinking, our limited beliefs, our limiting beliefs. I talked about this in the last episode, so go listen to that if you haven't already. But our limiting beliefs hold us back. Limiting beliefs like, I just could never do anything great. I'm not supposed to be uh, you know, earning money. I shouldn't be thinking about my potential. My, my platform doesn't matter. All of those are, are thoughts that come from oftentimes the judgmental voices of others, but aren't very realistic. So we got to get over some of our limiting beliefs and, and emerge beyond those things. We also have to get over the stigma, the stigma that money is bad, that business is bad, that, that you know, anybody, we've created this kind of caricature of wealthy people or successful people, and we've decided they're all bad and they have bad motives and they're just greedy. And a lot of times, people who struggle with money, people who struggle uh, because they don't have money and they feel differently about themselves because of that, they feel less than because of that, are, are, have actually made an idol out of money and have made it a point of judgment. So we got to get beyond the stigma surrounding entrepreneurship. We are not talking about just being money hungry to become great consumers in, in order to enjoy the lap of luxury. When somebody comes along and says, I can help you get rich so you can retire and live on a beach the rest of your life and produce nothing and influence no one, I go, what for? Why? Who wants that life, you know? Um, and maybe you're going, me? Well, it's not as fulfilling as you think it'll be, okay? Um, it, it's just not. We need to influence people. So we got to get over the stigma that there's something bad or wrong with success or, or wealth in entrepreneurship. We also have to get over our fear. We're not necessarily risk takers by nature. Now, I agree with Warren Buffett, who said risk is reduced the more we know. So I don't believe in taking dumb risks. I don't believe in doing dumb things. Don't just 
write your check for $10,000 to some guy who says he'll teach you how to be rich. Don't do that kind of thing. But we do have to get over our fear of taking any risk at all. That we have to be willing sometimes to uh, kind of step outside of our comfort zone and, and try new things and venture into new territory. We have to get over our fear. And finally, we got to start thinking about the potential. Uh, we got to start thinking about the potential. We got to think about what, what would society look like if Christians felt empowered to apply their faith in every facet of life, what would it look like for us to lead and serve the culture well? Not only to, to work and be productive, but also to lead and to create and to innovate. What would it look like for Christianity to influence the world around us? Now, you may have listened to all of this and you might fall into one of three categories. You fall into a category perhaps that says that's not really the purpose of Christianity or of the church. It's all about faith and discipleship. We're going to leave here someday anyway. I understand and I respect where you're coming from. I disagree. I disagree. I think that when you look in scripture and you look at how God works throughout history, that you, when you see the gospel infiltrating society around God's people, I just disagree. Uh, you may be in the school of thought. Maybe you've listened to this whole thing and you're not a believer, you're not a Christian, and you think, well, why should faith have anything to do with these things? And, and I understand where you're coming from. I'm just sort of trying to speak to this middle ground. And the middle ground says that as a Christian, the most important thing to me is knowing God and helping other people to know him. Yes, my faith is at the center of all of it, but that my faith affects everything. That if, that if I follow Jesus, and I know that Jesus is the one who gave his life as a ransom for others, that he, he came to serve and to lead and to teach and to give, and he laid his life down, then he's the model for us. And that God has perhaps gifted you for a great destiny, a great calling in the marketplace or in education or government or some other sphere of life and culture and that God has gifted you and placed you and positioned you for a moment of cultural influence, perhaps a moment just such as this one. So I want us to see the potential. I really want to support pastors who want to be entrepreneurial, and entrepreneurials who want to be more ministerial, more pastorly. So if I can help you with that, if you've got ideas, if you want clarification, if you want to, to argue or ask questions, feel free to leave a comment below or, or to email me at brandon at brandonacox.com. You can go over to my website, leave me a 90-second voicemail there from any page of my site. Uh, you can look in the show notes and get in contact with me. I also want to invite you, um, you know, this digital leadership podcast is something that I do uh, and, and put out there for anybody that might grow from it and benefit from it. I also have this kind of inner circle of leaders that I really want to pour into extra and develop as entrepreneurs, as kingdom-minded entrepreneurs, and that's found at the digitalleadershiplab.com. So if you're interested in joining that, being a part of that, just go to digitalleadershiplab.com. Uh, if you're interested in joining, you can use the coupon code PODCAST. It's 20% off for life if you do that, uh, just as a podcast listener. It's not very expensive, but it's, it's video segments in which I teach a little more deeply about digital marketing and about leadership, and I talk about the church, and I talk about business, and I blend the two all the time on purpose. So if that intrigues you or interests you, I'd love to have you as part of it. Thanks for listening. Pass this along to somebody, share it, review it. Uh, one of the best things you could do to help me, if you're willing, is to 
to, to click the like button or give me a five-star review on iTunes or whatever. Uh, if you want to give me a one-star review, um, it, it's okay. I respect that. I just hope you, uh, you forget to go back and, and get that done. Uh, instead, I just want to thank you for watching and being part of this, listening, reading, however it is you're consuming this content. And just may God bless you. I, I want us to think big. Uh, I want us to spread love. Uh, I want us to serve people and look out for the best interests of others. And even if you disagree with some of what I've said, to know that my heart, my heart is to reflect a Christ-like kind of spirit to the rest of the world. So Christian entrepreneurs, let's go change the world together, okay? Thanks for listening.